Well, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to our midweek service at New Hope. I am Pastor Tom, and I would just like to invite you to this time. Um, this is a part of the service where we get to prepare our hearts for our tithes and offerings. And if you're just a visitor or a first-time um, first-time attendee or you're visiting from another church, please save your tithe for your home church or accept this as a gift from us this service tonight. But I've heard it said that um, where our money goes, so go our hearts. And money is one of the main topics that's talked around the world, money and finances. And Financial problems are not solved with money. Money does not solve your financial problems. God has close to 3,000 scriptures in the Bible talking about money and possessions. And yet we focus on two most times. We talk about God owns the earth, the heavens, and everything in the earth. And, and that's out of Deuteronomy 10:14. Then out of Deuteronomy 20, 14, 22, it talks about tithing, what a tithe is and what we set apart. Those are the two that we most talk about, but yet there's 3,000 scriptures. To the Lord, um, no, wrong one. And so, So of all that the teachers, of all the lessons that Jesus would teach in the Bible, you know, 3,000 scriptures, but 15% of what he teaches is just about finances. That's how important all this becomes. And so the cause for the solution, or the cause and solution for our financial problems would be in our hearts. And so do we plan to spend our money or earn our money without much prayer? We just go and do things? Are we that wise? If we can learn to hear God's instruction, helping us, or helping others, giving gifts, giving our tithes, then God can trust us with the little things, and which leads to blessing us with larger things. And that's what we would call the prosperity test out of Luke 16, 10. Wherever you can be trusted with very little, you can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And the main reason why I talk about the finances and money is not that I want all your money, but when you have a family income or your personal income, and if it's in order, it's easy to give, it's easy to tithe, it's easy for God to bless you. But when these things are out of order, it's very difficult. And it's a struggle sometimes. And I've been there many times struggling. And I still struggle at times. And I don't want that for any of you. So there's a lot of teachings in there. Um, so let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this time, for this offering, Lord. I ask that you would just receive this offering and bless it to the church, to further your kingdom, to further your works and all that you're doing here. 
And Lord, I just ask that um, each and every one of us would just learn that little bit more that you have for us and how you would just bless us through the act of obedience and just being tithers. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we say thank you to Pastor Tom? Thank you. He is a Green Bay Packer fan. Just wanted you to know. And this past week. Hey, you can mute his mic, though. <laughs> because my team is Detroit. What did you say? Oh, yeah, yeah, we love him anyway. Glenn is a Dallas Cowboy fan, and we love him anyway. It is football, and then we have a Patriot fan, and we have to love you, John, um, because Jesus said so. Tonight, we're going to be continuing our series, Football. Seeing if you're paying attention. We're going to be talking about equipping the saints. And we've been, in the past couple of weeks, talking about how God has been equipping us as the church to be the church out in the community. And what happens is sometimes we forget that being a believer or salvation is not just for us. What God does is he, he saves us so that we can do something with what he has given to us. It's kind of like when you help someone and then that person is now in a, an area or position or has the strength to help someone else. Now you team up and go help other people. Let's just say like when we were kids uh, and we were playing in the river and you'd have to help someone up and they would get to the river bank, then we would help the next person up. And the reason why we did that is because we wanted everyone to be included. But when it comes to the kingdom of God and we talk about the church, the church is not to just be, oh, thank you, Kimo, not just to point fingers in or the arrows point in, but we're supposed to also go out. And the Bible says to think of others more than you think of yourself, not think of yourself as less that you're now no one or not valuable to God but to think of yourself less when the Bible gives us instruction it is always for a specific reason with a promise at the end and God will always bless us as we obey his word and tonight we're going to take a look at this word that we hear often and that word is faith now faith if you think about it is a nonsense we have five senses, taste, touch, hearing, smell, and sight. Faith is a nonsense. So what do you do when faith seems nonsense? Because in our world today, when people talk about God, and you have someone else who does not believe in God, and they push God on the side, and they say, I don't want to have anything to do with that because it doesn't make sense to me. Why would a all-loving God allow all of these things to take place in our world? That don't make sense. If God was real, then why do people die? If God was real, then why is there pain in the world? So to many people, it just doesn't make sense at all, which is what faith is. Faith is a nonsense. And that's probably the most difficult part for us to begin with, even as we come to know God, is that faith is a nonsense. You don't develop faith by our senses. It's, a, it's different than how we normally operate in our world with the five basic senses that we have. So sometimes we think that if God just showed up and everyone could see him, then everyone would believe. Like, why doesn't God just show himself and then all the debates would go away? Everyone who says God is not real would be proven wrong. If God just showed up, then everything would be great. Why doesn't he just show up so that everyone would believe? Why doesn't God do that? 
Well, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 3. And I want us to read this scripture. And this is where Jesus is speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee. In other words, he's a teacher of the religious law. So all the laws of God that they have been brought up with and ever since the days of Moses, you have this man Nicodemus. And he's trying to figure out, like, okay, how does this work, Jesus? How, 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 with what you're doing and what you're saying, it makes, it makes no sense sometimes. Give me clarity. So in John chapter 3, in verse 1, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I, I, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus is helping Nicodemus understand what this means of being born again, being born by the Spirit. And Nicodemus is still struggling with this. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, it says that God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And by the way, if you do have the church app, you can open that up because there are the notes in there that you can follow along. Those who are, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. In other words, in order, in order for us to even see the things of God, there needs to be a cleansing of the heart. Otherwise, what happens is when we grow up, all the things that have tainted our heart, all the things that have, have darkened our soul, and all the things that has corrupted our hearts and our minds, all the, all the things that has happened to us that were negative, all the negative things that were said, all the things we, that we've held inside, the resentment, the bitterness, all of that, because it's hidden in our hearts, Unless that be clean, that's all we will see when it comes to the kingdom of God. And when God does something, we won't even recognize it because our hearts are darkened. Therefore, our eyes are blind and our minds cannot conceive and understand what God is trying to do. We cannot even see the kingdom of God. So he said, your hearts must be pure. Well, I don't know about you, but humanity has yet to develop a technological device that purifies the heart. We have water purifiers, we have, we have anti, uh, anti, you know, uh, what, are, what are those things called with the technology and computers that they, antivirus uh, for technology. We have all of these things to help clean things out, but we have yet to, de to develop something that purifies our heart. Actually, the way the world is going and the way humanity is going, it's like the heart gets darker and darker by the day. And all the things that happen around the world is now right in front of us. Before technology came and before we had our smartphones and before we had cable television and, and YouTube videos and Facebook, before any of that came, all of those things were happening. All the things that we see that are right in front of us, they were always happening since the beginning of time. 
It's just now we're seeing it daily, minute by minute. And because of that, our hearts doesn't have enough time to catch up when it comes to being purified. It's like you can pour as much clean water as you want into the cup, but there's so much more dark water coming in. That's where our faith comes in. God blesses those who hearts, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. In other words, because our hearts are not pure, we won't even see the God we worship. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, tells us what faith is. Then it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, what? Not seen. So faith is the substance like the substance, there's a substance here. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't make sense. This has substance. That substance is like what faith is. That this substance, like I'm hoping I'm going to drink that water because I am thirsty. But in order for me to drink that water, I must have the faith that that actually is water. Let me just test to see if it is. Because I am. Huh? Mm -hmm. Okay, this, this is water. And now I have faith, I might have to go to the restroom. <laughs> the Bible tells us that faith is that substance of, of something that we don't even see. In other words, faith has substance to it, even when you can't see it. Sometimes our faith, because of our heart not being pure, is now diminished. We know what to say, what to think, and what to believe, but for some reason we don't when certain things happen in our life. In other words, we're, we're so on edge when it comes to faith that if something goes wrong, we quickly doubt God. Or when something is not going our way, our faith is already shaken because we're already on edge. What Jesus was saying to Nicodemus is, he's saying, Nicodemus, you have to have a brand new way of thinking. You have to be born again. In other words, the way you were born into this world was completely wrong. Now you have to be born right. How are you going to be born right? Only by the Spirit of God. It's not going to come through any other way, Nicodemus. It is going to only come through the way of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm here, Nicodemus. Everything that I'm going to do, everything I'm about to do, everything that I have been doing, that you have been seeing, you've been blinded all along. Like the, the, the face of God is in front of Nicodemus and he still can't see. When our hearts are tainted in that kind of way and we're living in the worldly ways and, and we just follow whatever seems fitting for us, we won't even see the kingdom of God or the face of Christ even if he were to stand directly in front of us. And so Jesus says, listen, the only way you see the kingdom of God is when you have a pure heart. Romans 10, 17 tells us, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we always talk about doing our devotions. That's why we talk about reading the word of God. 
This is where our faith comes from. We read the word of God. Now, for some of us, and I've been here before, I still read certain things and I'm thinking, where, where does that connect to? Because I thought this person said this and this person did that. So I'm trying to piece things together. You might be brand new to reading the Bible and you're trying to figure out, well, what does this mean? I don't understand. I read the book of Isaiah. I don't understand all of these words that they're saying, that these visions that are happening. I don't understand the book of Genesis, all the creation, and then what happened to the dinosaurs? I don't, where's all of that? So we have all of these questions, but listen, when you do, keep going. Don't stop because something doesn't make sense. When something doesn't make sense, it could very well be that you're building your faith. Nothing made sense to the people when Jesus came. They couldn't fathom, what do you mean you're the son of God? You're like a human being. Hey, isn't this the guy that grew up? Like we know him. That's why they couldn't believe in him. In fact, in his own hometown, there could be no miracles or very few. Why? Because they didn't believe. And Jesus said it so well. He said, no prophet is welcome in his own hometown. Why? Because they saw him growing up. So therefore, they couldn't believe in him. They were looking with their eyes not with their spirit. And so they looked at Jesus and said, well, how can you be the son of God? We see you. We've, we've seen you grow up. We know your brothers. We know your family. How can you be the son of God? Like, we, we saw you from the very beginning. Nothing changed. You didn't, like, all of a sudden become, like, this wonderful person. You're the same person. And so it was very hard for people to understand and receive from Jesus because they were looking with their eyes, therefore they were blinded by what was making sense to them. That how can this be the Son of God when he's standing right here? We know where he came from. We know his family. See, every single one of us can build our faith in God and learn the value of faith by understanding these three truths about faith. And here, about faith. Here's the first one. That faith is needed to reach my full potential. When we don't have faith, we don't even reach a minimal potential. Faith helps us to maximize our potential, the potential that God gave to us, the, the vision that he gave to you and I. Did you know that you are, you are so unique in this world that there is no one else like you? No one else is like you. Some of, some of your friends are like, thank you, Jesus, no one else is like them. No way. We, don't, we only can handle one of them. Imagine if we had two of them. Yeah, there's only one of you. We have our own fingerprints. We have our own eye print. We have our own DNA. God, God specifically designed us in a specific way, uniquely different from anyone else on the face of this planet. Out of 7 billion people, there's no one else like you. You are that unique, which means you have a unique purpose. That's why God gives you the faith that you have. It's not someone else's purpose, someone else's faith. It is your faith, and that's what is needed to reach your full potential. I wonder how many people right now are living out their full potential. I wonder that. I wonder how many of us are actually living out our full potential. Are we even reaching our minimum potential? Because if God said in, in Matthew chapter 17, 20, that Jesus replies to them that because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. In order for us to even understand that, you're going to need some faith. 
When Jesus is saying this, he's talking about the, the hillsides and the mountains out in, in Israel. He's pointing and saying these mountains can move if you just had the faith. Now, what, what, would, th- what would happen to us if someone said, you see, Mount Akea, Mount Aloha, all you need to do is say move. And if you have that kind of faith, it'll move. You know what would happen? Exactly what we're thinking right now. There's no way possible. That's Mount Akea, Mount Aloha, and it will not move. Even if I thought I had the faith, it's not possible. You see, our, our eyes and our senses cannot make sense of a nonsense. That's what senses are. It's calculated in our brain, and then it makes a decision on what makes sense. So when faith comes in, it's a nonsense. Therefore, we can't even fathom nonsense. When Jesus says, if you have this kind of faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you're going to be able to move mountains. Not too many people, people believed in what he was saying. And what actually takes place is because we don't believe in that, that we have that kind of mountain-moving faith, we don't settle for full potential. We settle for mediocrity. But we're very good at mediocrity. Therefore, we think, I must be reaching my full potential. We know how to make mediocrity look good. We design it well. We dress it up well. We put accessories to it, and then we think that that's our life. We sound good. We, we say nice things, but inside we're still empty because we have yet to build our faith, even as small as a mustard seed. You know what Jesus was given? He, uh, he was given a principle. He was saying, listen, I know the end result. The end result is this mustard tree. It's a huge tree where birds can come in. But the seed is so tiny. What Jesus was saying is, you don't look at the size of the seed that is planted in the soil. You have to imagine the, pot- the potential that is inside of the seed when it reaches full potential. What we tend to do is we look at the seed and we say, there's no way I can get th- that big tree out of this. See, we can now understand that because we see the mustard tree and we see the seed, therefore our eyes say, okay, I now believe that this can become that. No one doubts that. But if you don't see the tree and you just see the seed, then you doubt because you can't even see or fathom what it's becoming. You see, that plays a part in our very own lives, in our families, and in our marriages. How many people I ask, and I even ask myself, what do I want my marriage to look like? Well, I want it to be this. I want it to be successful. I want it to be where Heidi is my best friend. I want us to get along well. I want us to, when we're together, that we don't want to be anywhere else, that we get along well. We love being home together, that we look forward to being around each other. Like, that's the mustard seed. That's the mustard tree. That's the tree. But I have to have the faith enough to see that, that that could be the potential of our marriage. And then, from this point, now I have to work towards that. I don't just look at the seed every day and say, you're still small. The marriage is not working. It's, I have to do something so that this seed can now be built. And so it is with our faith. You have to see something out there that God is doing that can help your faith to get there. That's why without, without the word of God, our faith cannot be built. The Bible is filled with promises 
When Jesus said, you have so, so little faith, he was saying, you have so little belief in the potential that I see in you. I've, I saved you for a reason. In other words, trust not what you see or feel. Trust in who I am and my ability. Because when you trust in my ability, then I'll, I'll help you get there. See, faith is the belief of what, of what that seed can become. It's not the seed itself. It's what that seed can become. So if you have faith in God in your marriage, then your marriage has potential to grow. If you have faith in God in your family, your family will grow. If you have faith in God in your potential, then your potential can be reached. Therefore, you, you plant your seed of faith in Christ, and then you can watch it grow. It has to be in Christ. Because with, with the word of God, which is Christ, he became the word. That's where our faith is going to come from. Faith allows us to reach our fullest potential. The second thing is that faith is needed to please God. Have you ever wanted to do something that pleased God? And I, I think we've, we've grown up like that. Like we wanted to please mom or dad or, or, you know, someone that we love. We wanted to do things that they would say, oh, well done. That was such a great job. Like we like that. We like it when we make other people happy. Like, even with my children, when my children would do things, they would make things here at church and then they would bring it home with you know, all the glue and crayons and pens and then it would get into the car and you know, it'd stay in the car seats and all of that things. They, were, they wanted to show us what they did. They wanted to please us because they, it made them feel good, but it also was honoring to us. And I think we all want to be pleasing to God. We want to, we want to live in such a way that God is pleased with us. See, faith is needed to please God because we're physically and spiritually separated from God. And if we weren't separated from Him, we wouldn't need faith because we would be there with Him. But because we're separated, we're going to need faith to draw us near. Faith is the firmness or fidelity or steadfastness or steadiness which when it relates to God, it's the conviction that God exists and he is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider, the bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. When it comes to our faith in Christ, it's a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one from God, through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. That's, that's our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Hebrews eleven six tells us, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder. But without the faith to go along with that, we won't even know the rewards even if it dropped by our house because we don't have this faith to please God. He wants to reward us in every area of life. He's just waiting for us to put our faith in him in those areas. So the question is this then, why doesn't God just show himself? Because people will ask me that. They say, you know, I, I don't really believe in God, but if he, just, if he just showed up, I'm like, bro, you'd be scared, first of all, because you don't even know what he looks like. Secondly, when we ask those questions, like why doesn't God just, just show up? We're once again coming back to the senses. 
What we're saying is, God, I just want to see you. Now, if you read the Bible and the people that said, I, I want to see you, just read what happened when they, when they were in the presence of God. Yeah, Daniel fell face down. John fell face down, trembling. All their strength left them. Moses had to be hidden in the cleft of the rock. God's hand had to cover him because he said, you cannot, you cannot see me face to face or you will die. In other words, there's, there's just a mass overload that will take place. Okay, then why doesn't God just do it in a way that all would be convinced? Well, reality tells us that there's something missing, that there's something wrong. Everyone's chasing after something. Everyone knows there's something out there. Even atheists know there's something out there. Otherwise, they wouldn't disbelieve in something that doesn't exist. You have to believe that something exists in order for you to disbelieve it. So everyone knows there's something out there. God put eternity in the heart of man. You can't get that out. That's why all of these commercials and all of the, the, you know, the products to keep us young, it's a multi-billion dollar business. Why? Because inside we're saying, I want to live as long as possible and stay as good looking as possible. And nothing wrong with that. But there is something there. There's eternity in every single human heart. See, reality tells us that there is something wrong. So why doesn't God just give us tangible, empirical evidence, evidence that cannot be, cannot be debated, that he exists and who he is? Why doesn't God just do that? Well, it's not that because God doesn't want to reveal himself. It's because we cannot contain his presence if he were to. We cannot contain his presence Ezekiel 43 verse 5 tells us that when the Spirit took Ezekiel up, he took him up and brought him into the upper courtyard, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. This is just the glory of the Lord. It's not all of the Lord. This is just the glory of the Lord. In other words, God is everywhere. Romans chapter 1 verses 20 through 25. I want to read that to us. And whenever someone asks you the question of, well, how come, you know, why, why doesn't God just reveal himself? Why doesn't he just show us himself? Take them to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And it reads this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being misunderstood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, we have no excuse to say that God doesn't exist. Everything points to that there is a God. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Remember, if your hearts are darkened and not pure, you cannot see the kingdom of God, even if it stood right in front of you. Their hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human being, like, like a mortal human being, and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie 
We've got to pay close attention to that because that's what's happening in the world and that's what has been happening from the beginning of time ever since Adam and Eve, that the devil brought in a lie and they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And we still do the very same thing today. It may not look the same, but the principle is still there. We exchange the truths of God for a lie. And then they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. And then he ends with amen. See, God is making himself known to everyone. Watch where the world is going. Pay close attention to what God is doing in the world. Pay, pay close attention to what he's doing in your family and in your life. Pay close attention because God is doing something. He's, make, he's making himself known to everyone. And he'll use everything. But our capacity to receive it is defective because of sin. Sin broke our faith. Damaged our faith. And for many, destroyed our faith. But when Jesus came into the picture... He said, I, I am going to, that's why the Beatitudes are so important in Matthew chapter 5. He says, I'm going to, I am going to do something so great that people are now going to believe. And of course, we know what he did. Not only did he heal people, but he died for our sins, for sinners like us who did not deserve it, and then was buried in a tomb, and it was completely sealed and shut in the best way possible. It wasn't like they put two, you know, two people that were incompetent and said, hey, go watch the grave. Huh? No, they grabbed some, some very uh, talented and skilled and, and uh, veteran uh, types of guards. The kind of guards that you would use so that truth would not have a chance to make itself known. And so he told the, the Roman guards, he said, listen, it's almost like your life depends on this. You go guard that tomb and make sure the disciples don't come there and remove the stone and remove the body lest a worse thing happen. Well, the story was told that, well, we know what happened. The angel came, removed the stone. Jesus rose from the grave. When the, when the, when the Roman guards saw the angel, they fell as dead men. In other words, just like Daniel before God, just like John before God, before Christ, they fell face down. Why? Because you have no strength. You're, you, we can't even contain the presence of God. So here the, the Romans go down. Jesus rises from the grave and spends 40 days on this earth. And he showed himself to hundreds of people. And because of that, many believe, and all the disciples gave their life for Christ. I don't know how many people would give their life for a lie. They died, except John. He, he lived on and he was imprisoned. But all the other disciples gave their life to Jesus Christ. Judas took his own life before Jesus went to the cross. But they all had the faith that what Jesus said he was going to do, he did, and then even more. That's why they're like, hey, we are all in. Yeah, but you might die for me. Hey, you said there's eternal life. I, I trust you. I have faith that even though we may die. In fact, Paul the apostle said, 
for me to die is gain. It's like, that's even better. But I still have work to do. Like he was making it clear to God, I don't want to go yet. I'm just letting you know that it, I'm okay with being here. And so the disciples, even Paul, they had this faith that anything was possible. And so God gives that to us and he says, I'm going to give you a kind of faith that you're going to need because humanity is broken. Your faith is broken. You're going to need me. Therefore, the last thing, number three, faith allows me to see what I cannot believe because I can't see it. Faith will allow me to see what I cannot believe because I can't see it. Now, why do we need faith? Why doesn't God just show up? He's been showing up. He's been revealing himself. But we're like the blind who cannot see. We're like the deaf who can't hear. We're like the numb who can't feel. Faith is more than just believing. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. James chapter 2, verses 17 through 19, and 21 and 22 and 26, says that thus, all, thus also by faith, or faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. It's more than just belief. He continues, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now listen very carefully. We can believe in God and still have yet to have faith. That what God is about to do in our very own lives will come to pass. Oh, we can believe in God. The demons believe in God. They just don't put their faith in Him. But faith is required. I know it sounds like a lot of nonsense. And if it is, that's good. Because you're going to need faith, which is a nonsense, to see what you cannot, you cannot believe because you can't see it. That should inspire us and encourage us. So take something, like, take something that you're working on. Maybe it's your marriage, and you want your marriage to be to a certain level. Your family, in your career, or, or even your belief or your faith in Christ, your, your walk with Christ, whatever it would be. And then see that the faith that you're going to have down the road, what it's going to look like, starts off here, and then you build towards that. So every step of the way, anytime you hit an obstacle, whether it be in your marriage or your finances or whatever it would be, anytime you hit an obstacle, that's where faith comes in. Yeah, but God, I don't see that this is happening. When Heidi and, you know, when Pastor Tom was talking about tithing, it so reminded me about when Heidi and I first started tithing. It was, it was, it was, in, we couldn't even fathom giving God a tenth of our income. I'm like, we have bills to pay. We need to put food on the table. We have two children that eat a lot. And they eat a lot of cereal. And cereal is expensive. 
So it took a lot of faith because this is what we wanted to do. This is where we wanted to be. But we, we had to start here, believing that this would come to pass. That God, you said, here's your promise. We're going to trust you. Here's our faith, Lord. We're going to put our faith in your hands because left to ourselves, we see the bills. We see the things that are not happening. We see the expensive things. We see prices shooting up. So, Lord, we need the faith here so that we can arrive here. We need the works here so that we can be alive here. God, show us how to do that. In our marriage, Lord, show us how to develop this kind of faith that you're building for our marriage for our ministry, for our family. Lord, help us right here because we see this. We see the bigger picture. But right now, we see with our eyes, therefore, it doesn't make sense to us, Lord. You tell us to invest in your word, but I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. It's okay. Faith without works is dead. So do something so you stay alive. You're going to work at it. You're going to work at your marriage. You're going to work at your finances. You're going to work at your relationship. It's going to take work. Yeah, but then uh, am I working for my faith? No, 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 no. Faith without works is dead. You're not working for your faith. You're working to build it. Even faith as small as a mustard seed, Jesus said, that'll do. You know when he said you have so little faith? He's not saying you have faith as small as a mustard seed. He's saying the little faith that you, that little faith is a, is a faith that is a doubting faith. Which technically is no faith at all. Because he was so focused on other things. Rather than even the small mustard seed of faith that you could have. And so we get distracted by other things which takes away the small little mustard seed of faith that we're building. So the encouragement is this. You may have a mustard seed faith, and maybe you're looking at it and you're saying, but where do I go from here? Just start with that. What is your mustard seed faith? Is Is it just beginning to read the Word of God? If that's your mustard seed faith, then stay faithful in reading the Word of God. If you're in the word of God already, then you are already building your faith. Why? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So this is where we begin. Well, I want my marriage to grow. Then you need to, you need to put some work into your marriage with the faith that you have that this is where it's going to be. It has to go hand in hand. And I'm going to help you get there. So whatever it is, there has to be the faith of what is going to happen and then the works to get there. You build that and God will be consistent with you. He touches our hearts, speaks into our soul. He brings his light into dark places. He does everything possible to make us aware that the kingdom of God is among us. He does everything possible. And unless we're born into his spirit, we won't even see the kingdom of God. And he says, that's why I want you to build your faith. That's why without faith, you're not even going to be able to see what you cannot believe because you can't see it. You need faith to see what you cannot see. It's a kingdom faith. You don't need to have faith to believe in God. You need faith to see God. And I want to see God and truly know who he is because when we truly know who God really is, then we will truly know what is real in this world. 
It's only through our faith in God. I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles and we're going to pray and close. You know, when we think about all that is happening, not just in our community or our world, but what is happening in our very own lives, in our own hearts, that God is doing something great. This, this is why we do what we do here at New Hope. Everything we do, we put our faith towards, or everything we do, we work in tandem with our faith. A lot of the work that takes place here is not just to do. It's because we have faith that God is up to something. We, we can see what's going to happen, but we need to start here. We need this mustard seed of faith. That's why we're calling this equipping the saints. In the season that we're in, we call this the harvest season. This is a season where many people will come to church. The hope is that people would come here and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be transformed by the renewing of their mind so that they too can experience a relationship with Jesus. And I don't even know if experience is the right word. It's to have a relationship with Jesus, to know and understand that they're loved by God because there are so many people in our very own backyard that do not know how valuable they are to, the, to God and how valuable they are to the kingdom of God. You have value to the kingdom of God. That's why we do what we do. That's why we have all of these things come up. You know, someone, someone came up to me and they said, you know, there's a lot of things that the church is doing. It seems overwhelming. Because we have our SALT conference coming up next week. Right after that, we have our lifestyle leadership practicum. After that, on Halloween night, we have our marvelous uh, night. And then we have Nick Vujicic, which is a whole entire six days that's not even touching Christmas season. And so if you look with your eyes, absolutely overwhelming. There's a lot of work to do. We have signups in our fellowship hall. Overwhelming. So much to do. So much work to do. If we only look with our eyes. And if we only look with our eyes, we will miss the kingdom of God. We will miss what God is doing. We will forget that everything we do is not so that we see. It's so that God is glorified. That his one desire is not that the economy gets better. His one desire is not that the oceans are clean, although we need to clean our oceans. His one desire is not global warming or pollution. You know what God's one desire is? Out of everything that this world is going through and you and I will ever go through, the single most one desire that is on God's heart, the only thing that he desires is that none shall perish. Not one person. Not one person. So when I stand before God and I say, boy, God, was that a tough week. My goodness, my brain was fried at the end of the week. And we didn't even enter Christmas. God will look at me and say, but didn't I strengthen you through that season? Absolutely. Didn't I give you the faith required to see what I was about to do? Absolutely. Didn't this person receive me? Yes. Yes, they did. Didn't your family members say yes to me? Yes, they did. Were there not people who said yes to me during that season? Yes, they did. And he would say, wasn't that worth it? 
And we will absolutely say, yes, it was worth it. It was worth it. Because when one sinner repents, not some of heaven rejoices. Every single person in heaven rejoices. That's your family members and my family members that have gone on to heaven. In fact, if anything, I think that's the only time they party like that. I mean, there are parties here and there. They talk about a feast and things like that. But all of heaven? Imagine during this season, let's reach out to people so that heaven is only a party. That's it. Okay, let's pray before I get emotional. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord, you have given us a mountain-moving faith. And you've given us more than just that. You've given us eternal life. So, Lord, with all that we are doing, if we really think about it, for the next couple of months, as much work as it's going to take, I pray that you'd send the people We pray for workers for the field. We're all qualified, Lord, because we, we have our faith in you. We may not have the strength, the wisdom, the energy, but you do. And what we're about to do, Lord, is going to touch eternity. And all of heaven is going to rejoice when people say yes to you. We want to be a part of that, Lord. And so we ask you to go before us and pave the way, provide so that people find you through everything that we do because everything we do is attached to a soul. Build our faith, Lord, even though we may start with a mustard seed faith. We trust in you, Lord. We want to see the kingdom of God. We pray this in your precious name. And we all said together, Amen. Can we just thank our Lord for being so good to us?